0: Hello friends. Welcome to the Joy of Ideas. In the current episode, I am going to explore the basic features of culture and its centrality to human life. Culture is a very loaded term, which has been defined differently by different dictionaries, sociologists, anthropologists and critics. But all would readily agree that's more than the sum of his definitions. Raymond Williams writes in his book of short essays entitled Keywords that culture has three divergent meanings. Culture as a process of individual enrichment. For instance, when we say that someone is cultured, culture as a group's particular way of life, such as Indian culture, Western culture, company culture, or multiculturalism, And the third is culture as an activity that is pursued with things like books, museums, concerts, plays, movies, and so on. Culture in Dukhaim's sense is an emergent web of representations, holistically encompassing the deep-set values, beliefs, and symbolic systems of a natural collectivity. Society binds individuals inextricably to it, and it represents the whole of their reality culture is the sum of human beings' collective efforts to come to grips symbolically with a complex and uncertain world. The roots of the word culture go back to the Latin colliere, which means to tend to the earth and grow, or cultivation and nurture. In its modern sense, it was first used in the 18th and 19th centuries in Europe. At one point, it was only about the refinement of an individual but gradually broadened its compass to take in the fulfilment of national aspirations as major component. Culture is a very broad term and an account of its wide spectrum remains a highly contested concept. Culture encompasses such disparate things as food, clothing, artifacts, rituals and structures besides a lot many non-material, invisible things. Culture represents the tangible as much as the intangible. In fact, it's the intangibles that constitute the major part of it. Cumulated deposits of knowledge, experiences, beliefs, values, attitudes, and responses harking back to several generations are the sites where the real threads of culture lie entangled. In its broader sense, culture is the sum of experiences that have been accumulated over time. Cultivated behavior, which is transmitted socially through human interaction, is an indicator of culture. Culture is not only a loaded but also an emotionally charged conceptual term. Curiously enough, most of us who constitute a culture hardly ever look at it analytically. Generally, it's accepted and propagated from generation to generation without understanding its co-constituents, limits, and implications. As part of the evolutionary process, language began to evolve when humans started living in large communities that require the use of highly developed and complex communication to maintain and strengthen social bonds and ensure better coordination and coherence. Language and culture gradually became more refined and immersed in the means of using symbols to construct social identity. One way of understanding culture is to view it as a mental programming, which means that each of us carry within us patterns of thinking, feeling, acting, and behaving that we learn in the course of living. Their experiences and learning, whether conscious or unconscious, Crystallize over time into beliefs, values, and culture norms that hold on to rather that they hold on to rather passionately. And these get manifested in their conduct and actions. Those who belong to a culture have a lot in common, but it would be erroneous to think that they necessarily think or act in identical ways. This is because their beliefs and practices depend on their gender. Eight social status, and other characteristics. In fact, we are not born with a culture. We acquire a culture through instruction and interaction with our parents, family, peers, and others whose lives intersect with ours. We think of ourselves as individuals having independent ideas and ways of living, but there is much more to us. We share our beliefs, prejudices, linguistic traits, assumptions and a lot more with those in whose company we grew up and lived within a certain social milieu. And this is precisely the reason why we find it easy to relate to and feel comfortable in the company of people with whom we share our value system. As stated earlier, culture is broadly divided into material and non-material culture. Material culture refers to material objects and spaces that people of a culture use as part of their lives. Homes, cities, temples, churches, schools, factories, supermarkets, and tools, etc., shape material culture of a society and define attitudes, behavioral patterns, and perceptions of its members. For instance, A certain society may be heavily inclined to use technology in their day-to-day life, while certain other social groups may live primitively, focusing primarily on procuring food and ensuring their survival from hostile agents. Non-material culture refers to values, norms, beliefs, language, and so on. For instance, the non-material cultural concept of religion relates to people's beliefs about God, their ways of worship, their understanding and interpretation of morality, of sin and virtue, and similar things. The four key components of non-material culture are symbols, language, values, and norms. Symbols are culture specific representations of reality, experiences, and perceptions. A symbol has no inherent meaning. Its meaning emerges as members of a culture interpret, and reinterpret it over time. Symbols occur in many different forms. Words on a page, drawings, paintings, homes, clothing, consumer items all have the potential to convey ideas and concepts over and above the basic meaning. For instance, cell phone of a premium brand may convey a lot more about one's social status and aspirations besides functioning as a means of communication. A statue may flood people's minds with different memories and feelings, ranging from pride to shame, love to hate, and many other diametrically opposite values. While all symbols have their relative value, the most significant of these human symbols is language. A system of verbal and written representations to approach and perceive the world. Of course, all languages are never at the same level of development. Relative richness of languages determines the quality of literature and the complexity of content its users can produce in a language. Since language is an important component of identity in a culture, it becomes a highly emotive issue. At times, it becomes a flashpoint and a point of resistance for certain sections of society who may go to the extent of refusing to learn and use a language if they feel that it's being imposed on them and that their cultural identity is under threat. Culture is often perceived by different culture groups in hierarchical terms, often causing bitterness and conflict. Herodotus, as early as 420 BC, observed in the histories that if people were asked to make a choice from among the customs of the world, they would invariably rank their own as the best of all. Belief in the superiority of one's own culture called ethnocentrism results from a skewed perception of things and is linked to cultural blind spots. Those who judge other cultures by their own cultural ideals get trapped in cultural schemas, that is, mental frameworks with which they interpret the world. The problem arises when they fail to appreciate that there is a great deal of variation among different cultural schemas. We tend to look at the world from a narrow cultural filter and denounce the variations as bizarre, inferior or outrightly wrong. The counter to ethnocentrism is cultural relativism, which encourages people to view other cultures relative to their own and not essentially opposed to their own. It's quite natural for people to think, behave and live differently in response to the challenge life throws at them, necessitating it for them to develop strategies to survive in varied socio-ecological contexts. No culture can be viewed as superior or inferior in evolutionary terms because cultures don't develop in a vacuum. They are the aggregate of sociological, geographical, financial and ecological circumstances. If people sensitize themselves and know how to appreciate cultural relativism, they will learn to respect different cultural values, beliefs, practices, food habits and so on. In that case, they will not view differences as repulsive or impermissible, which often become the starting point for oppression, subjugation and conflict. Even within cultures, divisions exist. Culture theory proposes that both high culture and low culture are subcultures within a society. High culture is not accessible to everybody. Educated elites and those with refined tastes are its primary receivers. Low culture is easily accessible and can be equated with mass culture. For instance, one needs training, intellectual acumen, and refined sensibilities to appreciate Mozart's music, Michelangelo's paintings, or Federico Fellini's films. But low culture needs no special mental conditioning. High culture ideals, high culture deals in abstract concepts, complex mental processes and uses specialized techniques to convey ideas, images or sounds, while low culture has no such pretensions. High culture takes claim to superiority and its practitioners tend to look down upon low culture and the people who identify with it. Culture is dynamic and not static. It's fluid, which means that it changes and evolves every moment. Though the changes may be subtle and almost imperceptible, it constantly evolves, reconfigures itself, and sheds anything that becomes redundant with time. This way it remains alive, vibrant and relevant. The word culture is very evocative, suggestive of uniqueness, distinctiveness and diversity. But nowhere does it suggest that it's a monolith, compelling adherence to an overarching conceptual framework. Old cultures are unique and beautiful, having evolved through history, capable of coexisting without conflict, only if we cease to be dismissive of what is apparently an alternative view of life. Thank you.